nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. With me to discuss the uh, thrilling, exactly what uh, Apple paid for when they signed up to broadcast MLS 1-1 draw between Austin FC and Inter-Miami, uh, Charles Peacock of the False Nine. And uh, Brad Tillery, um, that was certainly a game of soccer. Was Charles it? Howard, uh, nominally, they played 90 minutes, like, you know, dictionary definition. Um, I have to go back. No, they did play 90 minutes because we had nine minutes of stoppage time somehow in the second <laughs> half. Um, so we got like World Cup stoppage time. It was a whole, it was very CONCACAF, uh, I think is a good way to put it. But uh, Charles, how are you feeling next day? It was very CONCACAF. The the nine minutes of extra time, there was a shoving match at the end. The the field was in bad condition. The referee uh, wasn't wanting to give out cards to one team. You know, it really encompassed everything that CONCACAF stands for. Right. So what you're saying is we need to build some riot fencing around that stadium, and then we're just going to be right at home? I mean, I think that would double, like, the construction cost of the stadium, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about uh, improving the pitch at all, but... Uh, Brad, how about you? I'm I'm in a malaise today with this game because it's just frustrating. Um, I, 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 there are some people out there who will who have said, "Well, it's a point on the road. You should always be happy with a point on the road." But this is a game where a point on the road, just quite frankly, is not good enough. And I think Josh Wolf in the post game press conference alluded to that pretty well. I mean, you should always be happy with a point on the road is kind of how you end up with, oh, well, we finished eighth and we made the playoffs and we lost in the play-in game first round thing. So we had a really good season, right? Like, I don't, we don't do that here. Yeah, well, I was listening to the Twitter space last night that uh, the We Are Us and TV guys do. And somebody, I don't remember who it was, was saying, the goal is always three points at home and, you know, point on the road when you start the season. I'm like, well, yeah, of course it is. But we've also dropped how many points at home this year? you got to start making up points on the road. And if you can't do it against the worst team in the league, there are bigger red flags that we talked about. Yeah, like that's fine as a conception to start the year. But if you're, you know, you have half a season of results under you and you can look at the literal game state, it's uh, yeah. a little bit of a different story. Uh, Charles, how are you feeling? A point good enough? No, I, against this team, no. Um, I saw the, the stat that Austin's played the two worst teams in each conference this season and of out of a possible 12 points, they've won five. Um, when you look at how tight the West is, you see all those points that Austin's dropping and looking, you start adding those onto Austin's total and you start seeing where they'd be in the standings had they just taken care of businesses against bad teams. And you're right at the end of the season, that's how we look at the team and be like, Oh, we finished eighth. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, I don't think there's any, any mystery where we'd be or why we'd be finishing there. Uh, where are we at these days? Are we still in eighth? We're still in eighth. We didn't really pick yeah. up any ground last night. We picked up one point on Houston, who dropped uh, the game in Seattle, one nothing. Everybody else, we kind of got some decent results last night around the, the conference uh, to help us out. KC picked up a win on Vancouver, so Vancouver didn't jump us. Um, and KC's played two more matches than us, so that helped. Vancouver does have a game in hand on us. Um, San Jose drew with Galaxy and damn near lost that game. Uh, in fact, Galaxy got robbed of a 
penalty kick in around the 90th minute. Uh, it was initially ruled a PK, and then they went to VAR, and for some reasons I still don't understand, took the PK away because it was a clear foul in the box. Um, and so Dallas actually picked up a win against LAFC last night, which means LAFC's now lost five straight games in the state of Texas. Um, their last win, the last win for LAFC in the state of Texas was the second time they came to Q2 Stadium in our inaugural season. Um, but everywhere else, we kind of got results to where a win last night would have jumped us out of the play-in game spot, and instead we blew an opportunity. Yeah, and it wasn't like, you know, we were bombarding their goal and they just kind of held out and, you know, scrapped a lucky one on a set piece and we, you know, went out one-to-one or anything. Like, we easily could have lost that game by four or five goals and a good team probably would have put us to the sword by the 50th, 60th minute. Um, Charles, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I thought, you know, Stuver was clearly the man of the match. Um, just two really bad defensive errors. Um, one in the first half that uh, put uh, Joseph Martinez in goal by himself uh, that Stuver fortunately saved. And then the the goal where, you know, Gascante and I think it was uh, Owen Wolf just basically run into each other instead of playing the ball. Um, just give him a wide open goal. It really just was mistakes on, on Austin's part as much as anything. And it just goes to show that, you know, in MLS, like every team can can get a result no matter what, no matter how bad they are. And especially against this Austin team that's really bad on the road, as they've always been historically. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't just those two. There were a couple other pretty bad giveaways. Uh, there were some issues with um, a lot of people just kind of not playing defense and we kept doing this lovely thing where we just let people ping crosses into us which you'd think uh, a coach who loves crosses as much as wolf would know that one of the really nice ways to defend them or don't let people send them in uncontested um so yeah, that seems and, to be and that's uh, one of the I, I was gonna say that's one of the problems with having alex ring in as a center back is that he's not gonna be able to defend those as well as uh radovanovich and, and julio were and so you know, Austin hadn't really adjusted from that strategy that they've that they've used of of allowing crosses and when they can defend them. And with the current lineup, they just they don't have that ability. Well, on the goal that they scored, if Keller's in there instead of Ring, Keller gets to the ball that flew over Ring's head because it didn't get over yeah. Ring's head by much. Um, but Ring, I mean, let's just be honest, he's kind of short, um, especially for a center back. And the ball gets yeah. over his head, no fault of his own because of his height. You can't control that. Um, now, the ball should have still been cleared out. Cascante and Wolf made a mess of that. Um, but a normal center back, and the ball probably never even gets to Martinez. Yeah, and on the, like, Cascante-Wolf mix-up, unless Wolf is screaming, leave it, leave it, leave it, Cascante's got to clear that ball. Absolutely. That, I, I, yeah. I said last night, the moment it happened – and people were arguing me with me uh, in Slack that uh, Kip Keller had a worse game than Cascante. I'm like, Cascante's mistake directly made uh, led to a goal, guys. Like, he made no, a, that Yeah. You, you can't the, sit here and tell me that Keller had a worse game when Cascante's mistake directly led to the only goal that Miami scored. Well, he had quite a few, too. He had some bad giveaways trying to pass out of the back. We had the other one that Charles mentioned where um, he goes to take the ball with a guy on the sideline. Um, and leaves like the entire field open behind that leads to a Joseph yeah. Martinez chance that uh, Stuber makes a great save on. And I went back and watched the replay. Stuber's as surprised as anybody that he saves it. Um, he's just sort of like, well, this guy scored 
100 goals in uh, MLS and uh, comes down on a breakaway on me, and he looks like he's pretty confident he's going to put this one away and just kind of chunks it a little bit and hits Stuber in the foot, and um, we survived another time. But, I mean, like, even before that, it felt like um, whoever the guy with the long Campeche or something like that, long last Campania. name, looked like Zac Efron. Yeah, Campania. Com- <laughs> uh, no, 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 not Campania. The, um, uh, Kramashi. Kramashi, yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, Kramashi, sorry, I just kept calling him Zach Efron all night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has the hair. Like, he has the look down. Yeah. Uh, him and the uh, the number one pick, um, the, they were shooting free all night. They just couldn't hit yeah. um, hit the net. And, I mean, if we had a, played a better shooting team, that's, that's getting ugly in a hurry. Yeah, we deserved to lose last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the numbers, the underlying numbers show that. Just watching the game – Austin deserved to lose that game last night and was fortunate to come out with a point. That still doesn't mean that that's not a game that Austin should, shouldn't win. That's a game going in. Austin has to win. Um, so yes, you could take the 30,000 foot view of, Hey, it's seven points in nine game or uh, seven of your last nine points wise. And we've gone from 19 to 26 points in three games. Cool. I look at it a little more skeptically. Um, Cited last week for the way we played, but we said, right, look, we beat a B slash C squad for Dallas, and we beat a Houston team that has not been good on the road all year. Um, And we went on the road last night, and especially in the attack, kind of reverted to what we had been doing previously to those two Copa Tejas matches, where we were not aggressive, not moving the ball, um, real slow. Um, Dreyusi had tons of space in the middle at times to work with, and we refused to get him the ball. So just back to what we had been doing for the previous 18 games this year, which is just wildly frustrating. Yeah, and I thought it was Zardes's worst game in a month or two. Um, oh, easily. Uh, there were points where I, like, you know, obviously he has the um, uh, electric yellow hair. Uh, so, you, like, his, uh, I think he said he dyed it that way so his grandma could find him on the pitch. Uh, so you're not going to miss him, but like there were times that I was just like, "Have you touched the ball in the past half an hour?" I think in the first half he had six total touches. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The announcer said that. It's fine if you're Erling Holland, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't well, know, and, Charles. And if, he was, and if he was playing, here's the thing: if he was playing more forward and not expected to be part of the attack, that would make more sense. But when you look at how far DP drops when we're not in possession. And how he's really supposed to be used as a cog to try to to um, transition from defense to attack. That's such a low number of touches for somebody who should be involved. And even in the second half, he started getting shuttled out wide to the right wing for some reason. That didn't make sense to me. Um, and just it, it just didn't seem like he was ever in the game or aware of what was going on or part of the plan. No, it was weird. There were some, like, uh, the first half an hour or so, I thought he was having just, like, an absolutely terrible game, and then he pulls out some swagger passes. We got another Rabona through to Diego that probably should have ended up in a goal, but, um, you know, Diego's a step or two slow getting onto it because he doesn't expect the ball to come through. Uh, Takes himself a little out of the play on the angle. Yeah, he took a bit of a heavy touch at around the top of the 18 that really screwed it up. Yeah, um, Uh, otherwise he, he would have had the square to Zardes or a good shot on his own. But that goes back to, too, we talked about the beginning. I wonder how how much the bad pitch affected certain things last night. Um, you know, because if you if you don't know, that pitch had been used, I think, twice already this in the last week for the Gold Cup. 
and one of the games was delayed for several hours due to rain and the place was the pitch was just waterlogged um and then two days later they came back and played a cuba game there after that pitch had just gotten soaked so it's wasn't the most ideal um thing to play on last night cracked me up at one point when the the announcers had said something like well the pitch is immaculate what the hell are you watching yeah (laughs) i mean there were multiple just like huge divots that got taken out during the game like on that on that diego play after the rabona like he took that he takes out a giant divot of grass and you can just see that like that pitch was not really fit for um for any kind of like real high level soccer match you know as much as darn garber likes to rag on like usl teams and their facilities like you can't look at that match last night and say that that's a mls level facility no no, no san antonio is a better facility yeah yeah on some level i'm like uh hey the ball's around the you know grass is relatively level get on with it but at the same time you know we have the the almost injury or the kind of injury towards the end um and when you have that stuff start happening it's really not a great surface i couldn't tell if it was the apple feed or the stadium itself but it looked like they had painted the pitch the wrong color green like it looked like it was almost like a neon electric color instead of like you know grass oh that's just miami okay (laughs) well there you go i learned something maybe it was the pink clashing with it uh uh all right. Well, I mean, we did have some good news. We got our final. Uh, I do. I, I get another. I told you so. Everybody was telling me Nick Lima was going to score. I told him to keep shooting. Finally got our Nick Lima goal, and it was a nice goal. Um, Seba beats a couple of guys, has a shot blocked. Ball comes to the top of the box. Lima takes a touch and doesn't try to right foot into Rosie. He uh, goes ahead and just curls it around to the defender, uses him as a screen, bottom corner, bang, 1 1. Uh, so- nice goal. So Carrie, my wife, was outside on our back porch with our dog doing something when that goal happened, and I screamed as loud as I could, holy shit, Nick Lima scored! And she ran back in like she couldn't believe what I just said. Yes. <laughs> well, and the announcer kept saying, Owen Wolf, Owen Wolf, and we're, um, I was looking at it going, that's not Owen Wolf. That doesn't look anything like Owen Wolf. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. Owen was on top of the box, like, to the left. And so I understand, like, getting those things confused or seeing him. But, like, it's Nick Lehman. He's the shortest guy on the pitch by, like, four inches. Like, we all know who that is. Um, it was a great finish. I was, it was nice that he really kind of tried to, like, finesse it with the side of his foot instead of just begging it, laces through like he always does. Um, I, I kind of resigned myself to the idea that he was never going to score ever. Um but this season, we've been fortunate. We've had, you know, Nick Lima scored a goal for us. Rodney Red has scored a goal for us. Um, so, you know, those long-standing Emiliano guys. Emiliano Ragoni has scored a goal for us. Exactly. The long-standing guys are finally, like, putting numbers on. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll get to him in a little bit. But um, I was trying to stay positive for a little bit. We got some Driussi swagger. We got uh, a Nick Lima goal. Um, one mistake aside, I thought Kip was pretty good. Yeah, I thought Kip was fine. I thought Kip was fine. Um, You know, he was a little nervy at times, but he also did some really nice recovery runs, I thought. Um, One on the sideline to cut out a press, another one up the middle where uh, one of the Miami guys was, if Kip's not there, he's in alone against Stuber. Um, So I thought Kip was pretty good last night all in. Yeah, um, the mistake basically like he misjudged a ball on a bounce and led to a shot that – uh, the aforementioned guy whose name I still forgot, but I'm going to go ahead and call Ricky Fowler now. 
um, misses a shot over the bar that really, really should have scored. But, yeah. um, you know, we, we survive. And like we kind of said at the top, too, you know, if Miami's not the worst team in the league, we'd probably get blasted in this game. Uh, so, I mean, is it a little bit of a positive we take a point out of this? Or are we just going to kind of say, well, that was still, you know, three points dropped, uh, even considering the game state? Or two points dropped, I guess. Go ahead, Charles. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely, it definitely feels like two points dropped because of just, you know, all we've we've seen and heard about Miami. I think that one of the things to, take, to keep in mind is that that was the first time that Tata Martino was in the stadium to watch them. And I think Miami had a very strong sense of all of those players knew they were playing for future playing time. And they're playing for their jobs because there's a new boss in town. And you want to talk about new manager bump, even though he was on the field. I did feel like they, at very least, played harder and played with a little more um, uh, and just more energy than they normally do because of that. I mean, I look at the game state. I, I think 1-1 was kind of a fair result, to be honest. If anything, it flattered Austin just because of how good Stuver was. Um, it's just also just a disappointing performance to, to quote Josh Wolf of his love of that word. And that also just didn't play well. They looked fatigued and tired. They didn't look sharp. They didn't look like they really wanted to play in the first half. And those are the kind of things that they can affect that, you know, you'd want them to come out and try to do what they did in Atlanta last year, which is come out early, come out strong, score a couple goals, make the other team quit and coast to the second half. And that's just not what they were able to do. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm no. with you. I think it's, I think it's points dropped. Um, I, I thought I said last week. I think on here, I wanted to get four points out of this three-game road trip. The best chance for three of those four points was last night, um, and quite frankly, the performance just wasn't good enough. Um, I, the, the first half effort, especially, was sloppy. It was disjointed. Um, it felt lacking. Um, Dre Usi seemed like the only guy who really wanted to be there in the first half. Um, and Stuber making some saves to save our ass, but nobody else really had their game going. Um, and it took a goal in our face to actually wake up, which is not something I'm looking well enough to see. And now you have road games at Minnesota. Minnesota beat the hell out of Portland last night in St. Paul. And then you have a game at Vancouver a team that has lost once all year at home, and it was the opening game of the year. Um, remember, this Miami team was on an eight-game losing streak coming into the game last night. Do you know who had the second longest losing streak of the season? Phil West mentioned this one last night. It's interesting. Uh, LAFC well, right now at five? Also Miami at six earlier in the year. <laughs> <laughs> I should have guessed that. <laughs> so it's – you take this game into account. You mentioned earlier the Colorado and the Galaxy games taken into account. Those are the three worst clubs in the league, and we haven't really done enough against those guys to pick up points um, where we should be. And when we're still battling for eighth and ninth right now and maybe at the end of the year, you know, the difference between fourth and twelfth uh, or 11th, I should say, in the West is six points just pick up a few points right there and you're probably above salt Lake and in that third, fourth spot and have a little more comfort as opposed to being in this play in spot or even out of the playoffs altogether at the end of the day. Yeah. 
Um, for me, it's points dropped. I kind of looked at the whole leading into League's Cup thing and said seven or eight points out of the four games. Uh, and I'm with you. This should have been an easy three if we were, you know, everybody was feeling good last week and we should have been. Uh, we kind of talked about it on here too. Like, well, yeah, feel good. But, you know, I want to see more of this before I, you know, jump off the whole wolf out wagon because the whole point was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is just going to come back and we're going to go back into old uh, early season Austin soccer. Um, I was a little happy. They got the first goal. We came back and scored. Still had a couple chances. I don't think that would have happened earlier in the year. I think we hang our heads after one and then um, take a loss. So in like a sense, it's a point gain, but in a very real sense, it's really more three points dro- or two points dropped. Yeah, I, f- I mean the Portland game this year, we we had a little fight right um, after dropping down and then came back and, and stole one on the road. But I- I'll tell you, I think back to that Houston game last week, and after that game, Josh Wolf said we get criticized a lot for our amount of crosses, but tonight they work. And I actually think the worst thing that could have happened for this attack is having all those goals scored on crosses last week. <laughs> because if for him, that's proof proof of concept. Like, hey, it's working. We should we should do this. Um, and we went right I bought back. Ten thousand lottery tickets, and I won five hundred bucks. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so we go back to the same shit last night, and oh, hey. Somebody who actually understands how to market doesn't work. Plus, you don't have yeah. Steve Clark in goal against you last night. Well, he does always help. Uh, Calendar is actually pretty good. Um, yeah. I thought he was claiming the ball pretty well, and uh, you know, I think he made a couple decent saves. Agreed. But I mean, Charles, where are you here? Like, I don't, I don't know. Where do we go? I literally, you can I mean, answer the question about the team, this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree. With, I agree that early in the season, I don't think they would have had the same kind of fight to get a goal back because I think we definitely saw that, you know, body language doctor looking at the looking at what happened after the other team had scored, not having that fight. I think the disappointing thing is that you know, had either of the Drusy skill checks worked out to a goal, I think we'd have a very different conversation about how Austin FC should be playing and the diversity of. Um, their attacking options you know the the Rabona that Drew pulled off is insane um, I don't think there's yeah it, it seems like there's probably not a dozen players in the world who even try that let alone have it work out and the the play that I actually thought was more impressive was the turning he had off of the little half cross that Wolf had where he collects it with his right foot on a spin controls it enough to get his left foot for a toe poke on it and still gets it still earns a corner out of it and I really wish we would have been able to see more of getting Drusy interior on the ball with time to try to let that creativity show out just so other teams would, in the future at least, be reminded of like, oh, yeah, we need to keep guys inside on this. Like, And hopefully that would free up more space on the wings, which there were an ample supply last night because Miami was playing a five at the back system and Austin was playing a 4-3-3 and we had numbers out there. But they did a better job of, of controlling the center of the park um around Zardas than teams have in the past. Yeah, I thought Drew had his best game last night of the season. Even without Yeah, he had the most time in space. Yeah, even without a goal contribution. Um I I felt like he had a ton of impact on the game. Um skill wise, it was just unbelievable to watch. Um and like I said earlier, there were times where Miami was dropping off and willing to give him space. 20, 25 yards out, and we just refused to get the guy the ball. And that drove yeah. me absolutely up the damn wall last night. 
Yeah, and I mean, I that's mean, the kind of game, too, that calls for a Driussi instead of, like, let's play this, you know, pre-programmed offense. It's a shitty pitch. Everybody's playing like crap. Get your man the ball. You're force of nature. Fuck you. Grab this game by the scruff of the neck. I'm going to score no matter what Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Alexis Sanchez, whatever kind of player that'll do that. You have one. Give him the fucking ball. Sorry, mini rant. Charles, you were going to say something? <laughs> Sorry, I, I need a second after you just put Alexis Sanchez in with Cristiano Ronaldo and Liam. Well, as, as a style of, like, grab the game by the neck, fuck you, player. No, I, I agree. I think that, especially on a bad pitch, like, that's the time to just kind of, like, hit the ball at the keeper as hard as you can. Um, I thought Miami did that a few times to, with some success, and, and it was only Stuber who kept the ball out. Um, you know, it was an ugly game, and I think that hurts Austin, but... At the same time, like, Inter-Miami's not a good team. Like, they just aren't. No, and you brought up Tata Martino's in the house, and, like, maybe they're playing harder, but they weren't, like, busting out prime Barcelona tiki-taka on us. They were still terrible. I will say. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean they made Robbie Robinson look like a player. <laughs> I, I'm fascinated to watch this Miami team in three weeks when Messi gets there and then Busquets joins. Because I, I want to see how they play with just a terrible surrounding cast <laughs> i mean messi's done it before there have been some uh not so great argent like obviously not this bad but not so great argentina rosters um and i mean still argentina they're still like you know world-class players but um it'll be interesting especially because busquets is never the most mobile guy in the world and he's at least a step slower now so yeah i, I really wonder be... how he's gonna work in mls i'm very interested to see that I'm, is this just going to be like Messi works through four guys and passes it off to Joseph Martinez? Oh, I, I also just wonder, how are they going to handle games like last night? Because from the folks that were there and just watching TV, it was humid as hell there last night, which is the exact reason I didn't make this road trip. There's a ton of Austin folks who went, and I had no desire to go get swamp ass for several hours of the game. Because um, I've been to Miami in the middle of the summer, and it's it's just gross. Um, from a weather perspective. So I, I wonder how somebody like Messi, who's been playing in France or Spain, where you don't really experience that, especially because they play during the fall and the winter and the spring, how are they going to handle that? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I wonder, we'll have to uh, clock how slow Busquets can move at once. Um, <laughs> I, I, mean, I like that we switched the... Go ahead. I like that we switched the narrative to can Messi do it on a warm, humid night in Miami. That's kind of a great. Uh, it's it's the new Stoke. Switch from Stoke. It's the new the, Stoke. Yeah, they've, uh, Stoke and Miami have always been a uh, twin sister cities, as as you well know. Um, maybe Fort Lauderdale. That one might actually be true. See, I think the funnier oh, thing is going to be sending Messi to like Minnesota in early March, where there's potential being snow on the ground and an orange ball breaking out. That'll be fun. Uh, we need somebody to start tracking the number of times we get to see his face do the uh, Joe Bluth, I've made a huge mistake <laughs> each game, and then like track them across the season and see if they decrease or increase. <laughs> oh, no, those those photoshops are in drafts. Don't worry. Okay. Um, I figured. But, I mean, we're already talking about it because, really, that was kind of a shit game. We'll We'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute, but... Uh, what do you think about the whole messy thing? I mean, yeah, he's going to come to MLS. He's going to light the league up. He's still a world-class player, even though he's not like, you know, ultimate messy anymore. Um, 
Is he going to play well? He's on the worst team in the league, even though he's bringing a friend. Uh, what do you guys think of the uh, whole league structure of getting him here? Um, Charles, I'll let you lead off. Um, I think it's a, I think we can look at it in two different prongs. From a business perspective for MLS and sort of Miami and for Messi as well, it's a great, it's a great move. He, by all accounts, got ridiculously paid. Um, the league met their Apple subscriptions uh, uh, threshold to be able to get money back from it. Apple's really happy about it. They also did a documentary. Um, all of that is great. I think it's going to be great for the league. It's going to be great for exposure and attention. It's going to do, you know, Beckham turned the league from a local league to a national league. And I think Messi can turn the league from a national league to a global league, at least hopefully. Yeah. On the field, I. it's going to be interesting to see him and Busquets play old, retired man football who are very, who are way too skilled for the rest of their team while the nine other guys run around. And granted, or eight other guys run around, which is going to be interesting because that's kind of how PSG plays in that, like, Mbappe and Messi kind of don't have defensive responsibilities and just kind of, like, do whatever while everybody else works hard. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how that adapts. Um, left out Neymar. I mean, that's fair. That's that, that was actually PSG's biggest problem is that you can have two passengers but not three. Yeah. Um, and so... I, I think the on the field is going to be really interesting to watch how he incorporates himself into the team and how often we watch him sternly stare at a player who doesn't make a run or who has a bad touch. And he just like points at his feet of like, what are you doing? I think that's going to be the, the real way to track how well this is going on the field. Yeah. One of Messi's superpowers is, and there are only a few people I've ever seen that can do this. He can more or less like see through time to make a pass. Um, so if you look at a few things like in a couple of them in the World Cup or um, a few at Barcelona where you're like, how did you even know this guy was going to make this run? You saw him out of the corner of your eye 20 seconds ago. Um, and that requires a decent relationship with uh, the other players on your team and for them to probably not be so bad at this game that they're playing at Inter-Miami. Yeah, he just has that next level sense of like where everybody on on the field is at any time. And the greatest players of all time all have that. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens when he doesn't have the same soccer IQ around him that he's used to. The the greatest players of all time and Alexis Sanchez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what do you think about the uh, the Messi experiments? <laughs> I think Charles has it right with looking at it from two perspectives. The business side, it's it's a genius move. Um, look, my understanding is Miami's paying for the whole salary. It's it's not necessarily coming from everybody else as people thought initially. Um, now Messi is getting a kickback from Apple TV subscriptions, but the thing is once it hits over a certain amount of numbers, the whole player pool in the league actually starts partaking in, uh, basically dividends from, and revenue sharing from that Apple agreement too. So this actually boosts everyone's salary, which is great, um, for the league. Um, and then exposure wise, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Like we're trying to, the league's gotten better, uh, the one thing I think it does is it hurts a little bit with the retirement league narrative from around the world, but that's only to me, if you care about that, if you're actually paying attention to the league, you understand that's, that's a pretty old and tired narrative um, considering how much this league exports to Europe. Um, so in that regard, I think it's great. 
Um, and he's going to draw fans. Like maybe somebody goes to a game in Columbus that normally wouldn't, and they start showing up more often or Chicago or wherever. Um, so in that regard, I'm, I'm really excited personally. Like if he comes to Austin and somebody wants to buy my tickets, eh, I'll probably <laughs> honestly, cause it's not my bucket list to see Messi play. Just not. Um, but I think you can see him cheaper next year for in Copa America. You know, if you want to go see him play somewhere here in the States. Yeah, he'll probably be trying a little harder too. Um, yeah, like, but on the field, I'm more interested to see what happens when he gets Concacaft and he starts dealing with the pro refs here. Um, oh, I, I think he'll get. If you think Chicharito gets protection, this is going to be that on steroids for sure. But he's literally a league asset. But Diego Chara is going to chop him down anyway. yeah so i'm just i'm fascinated to see how he how he reacts when he comes to play uh a little more rough and tumble type game than he's used to play and i i really want miami to qualify for ccl i'm excited for him to play leagues cup because i want to see how he plays against some of these league emeki teams um i would love to see messi play in honduras at like the san sulo um these are these are fascinating concepts to me that I want Miami to get better just to go see that because how is he going to react in the environments that he's not used to reacting in? He's been in a pampered yeah. environment for twenty plus years now. Yeah, um, maybe not twenty because he didn't really break into Barcelona until let's say but he was still in, he was still in the academy. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, everybody in there isn't, you know, put up in David Beckham five star hotels at the at La Masia. Okay, but they're not playing a game at eight p.m. in Honduras with people throwing stuff at them either, right? Necessarily, like that's kind of my point. Um, or fireworks going off at four a.m. the night before a game, like it's just a different world in Concacaf, man. Especially when you get into international play, and I I want to see that against Messi, especially because the pit, you know, the pitches, man, you've seen the pitches in CONCACAF. They're not great. <laughs> Arguably not pitches. Um, <laughs> some of them. Uh, no, but I think this is going to be good for the league. Like it's almost a win-win for the on the field. I think you guys covered the business stuff, so I'm not going to rehash it, but uh, on the field, it's a win-win, right? Like Messi comes here. He does really well. Ooh, everybody has to sign up for Apple and watch Messi and watch him kick the shit out of MLS teams. Great. Um, everybody gets more money, more money breeds, better players coming to the league, yada, yada, yada. People want to come to the league to play Messi, all that stuff. Messi doesn't do well. And everybody goes, whoa, maybe MLS is actually pretty good. Um, especially if it's not, you know, just hacking him down type of stuff. Uh, so I'm going to be really curious to see, you know, which one or kind of what the mix is of those two things. Also, Messi uh, playing on a baseball field is going to be hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel, this is uh, AstroTurf. Uh, welcome. <laughs> You're going to play on it a fair bit. <laughs> uh, there is no Lego store nearby. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you were like Atlanta and you sell out a game against Miami and then Messi goes, I'm not playing on turf and just decides not to show up that night. <laughs> I need there to be like uh, them to redo the schedule so that Inter-Miami is playing at Atlanta like the day after the Chick-fil-A kickoff games. So there's still a bunch of like hungover college football fans wandering around Atlanta while he's going to the game. Oh, my <laughs> like gosh. an 11 a.m. kickoff. 
no idea mm-hmm. why it's looked crazy there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think it's good, good move for the league. And, you know, it's all done at this point. I maybe have some uh, worries about, well, maybe it is actually costing Austin fans or other fans uh, a little more money, but, you know, maybe that comes back around. Um, we'll see. Uh, but Tata Martino, Lionel Messi, is that going to go well, or are they just so far behind the eight ball that's not going to matter? At least this year. This year doesn't matter. Next year, yeah. I think they have some roster flexibility. Um, Tata, I think, is honestly long-term a more interesting hire than Messi is for that club um, because he's had proven success in this league. Yep. And if he's not going to bounce around, or I can't blame him for leaving Atlanta to take the um, the Mexico job, right? That's a national team job. I get that. But if he stays in Miami for a while – he could build something there beyond when Messi's just there. Yeah, and I think that's their hope, uh, at least if Inter-Miami's run well, which remains to be seen. But, um, yeah, I mean, having a power club, I like the uniforms a lot, so I'm always big, uh, good uniform team. I like having good, uh, good team consistently. Um, but I guess let's get back to the game, unfortunately. Uh <laughs> Uh, we do because we uh, we have to do stock rising, stock falling, all that good stuff. Um, unless you guys want to come over, uh, cover some other stuff before we jump into that. I, I mean, I do want to mention that like Inter Miami's kits are great. The pink is a great color. It has a great design. It has a collar. Just a, a great, a great overall uh, kit for a club. To to tag onto the Tata Martino, um, I think that's a great hire for a Miami team that has a lot of good young players. They had a lot of homegrown, or they had like four or five homegrowns in the lineup last night, including um, uh, uh, Kramashi, who I thought was really good. They really could build something there with that academy with how prevalent it is in South Florida and what they have available. Um, And I I think the other thing that's overlooked when it comes to Messi is I think MLS could become a stopover league for South American players who want to get more European notice. And I'm, and the interesting part of that is how much Diego Almeida gets sold for from Atlanta to prove the proof of concept that if you're a good young player, you can go to MLS, you know, live in the U S have a little bit more stable, have a little bit more under the radar than you would be in South America and also get the dream move that you want. And that would be a big step for the league in terms of raising the overall talent. Yeah, I mean, become sort of like a, a stepping stone, like your your Red Bull Salzburg, your um, uh, oh, I think they actually changed the name of the team to uh, FC Salzburg because they're tri- tired of being uh, made fun of for being Red Bull clubs at this point. But um, I, I don't want to lump Ajax in here because they're a historically great club. But um, you know, those kinds of you know more or less feeder teams or a feeder league. Yeah, like there's no uh, reason it can't be like the Eredivisie or like other like smaller European leagues where players go and you know, but still get end up getting sold to the the top four leagues. Yeah, um, FC Basel in Switzerland's a good example of this too. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, I think the MLS would be perfectly happy being like that for a few years and then kind of making their next move and saying, okay, where do we go from here? Uh, look at the landscape. How do we adjust to it now? Yeah, 
I think when the league comes out of 2026, 20, 27, I mean, the amount of major tournaments happening in the U.S. over the next four years is crazy, right? You've got the Olympics next year. You've also got um, Copa America next year, just here in the States. Um, 25, yeah, you got a gold cup or whatever, but they're putting the, um, oh, what's the, the UA Club World, Cup. Club, Club World Cup is coming in 25, yeah. right? Which is going to yeah. be massive. I think, especially as they expand that, you get some of the biggest clubs in the world here. That's going to be huge. 26 actual World Cup, 27 most likely Women's World Cup. Um, there's a really, really unique opportunity over the next three to four years for this sport to explode in the U.S. and with that MLS to continue some exponential growth. We talk about X- MLS 1.0, 2.0. We're kind of like in a 3.5, 4.0 right now. You might be in 5.0 in less than four years. So I'm hearing we need to fire Don Garber and hire Greg Berhalter to run oh. MLS. Oh, gosh. Oh. Um, <laughs> Uh, still a little salty about that one, but we'll uh, we'll get back to it. No, I agree. It's a golden opportunity. So, um, and Messi's a good step there too. Um, are we thinking, especially with some of the stuff we're seeing coming out of Saudi Arabia, that we're going to get kind of those superstar guys some more? Are we thinking there's going to be, hey, some up and coming South American guys, or maybe some uh, not necessarily old, but older European guys who are kind of like, you know, I don't want to. I, I don't want to sit on the bench James Milner style and pe- play 10 games a year. I think after the 26 World Cup, you might see an influx of t- the U.S. national team guys coming in. Hmm. Um, guys like Pulisic, who are still going to be in their late 20s. Um, maybe even a McKinney, right, who have played in Europe for a while, ready to come back home, help the league grow here. I think that is where the next stage of growth is going to be. I think Saudi Arabia is quickly becoming the retirement league of the world. Um, and they're willing to throw the money because of the name. And that's fine. Do what you want to do. Uh, but for the league to grow domestically, yes, continue to bring in guys from South America, those young players, exciting players, um, some key names from Europe. But if you get some big, if the if the team is able, the U.S. team is able to make a deep run in the World Cup, at least to like the quarterfinals or something in 26, and then a few of those key players come back to this league spread out across some cities, could do wonders for recognition. Yeah, I mean, let's hope. Um, this game wasn't exactly the best uh, advertisement for the game in in this country, but um, hey, we'll uh, we'll up the level. And I've seen plenty of terrible. Uh, Premier League, best league in the world, TM games. So um, it happens. Yeah, right? like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, we just don't necessarily always see them or talk about them, but there are games that's bad in every league. Like, they're, they're just every, if you play a long enough season with enough teams, they're just going to be these slog games that aren't very pretty and nobody really would ever go back and want to watch. And that's fine. It's not a big deal. We only really care about it because one of our teams is involved. Otherwise, we'd just be like, oh, yeah, that match happened. Yeah. Um, no shortage of whatever you want to call it, Wolves, Sheffield United, nil-nil draws or something like that. Yeah, I'd point you to – if somebody would look at the league, I'd point you to San Jose and L.A. last night. That was a fun match to watch. ton of fun. Yeah, the MLS that I was promised is uh, always uh, built up in San Jose, it seems like. <laughs> well, they played in Stanford last night, so it's all good. Uh, why? 
because it's the Cali Classico, so they actually draw a good amount of fans for that game. Okay. So, uh, for, for the Galaxy game and for the LAFC game, they typically play at Stanford Stadium because they'll sell them out. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Because uh, San Jose's park isn't big enough. Yes. Got it. Okay. That was the piece I was uh, not putting together in my head. I just yeah, figured Stanford. there was like a concert or something. Stanford <laughs> you know, Stadium has enough 2x capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, makes sense. But uh, Charles, stock rising. Uh, I think my stock rising is uh, if it can go any higher, Brad Stuver. Um, he was. I think he got reason. higher. I mean, I, I, I think he got robbed of being an all star. I think that unfortunately, what ends up happening as a keeper, it's never about your performance; it's about your stat line. And for somebody who plays in front of, or plays behind, what we have to be honest and say is not a great defense. He does amazing work every match to keep Austin at least in the game for the most part. And last night was no exception. Yeah, and he's not just making saves. He's claiming crosses. He's coming out and sweeping the ball. He's yelling at people what to do. He's a leader in the back. Um, you know, it's not just the the highlight reel saves, which obviously we love too. But um, yeah, Stuver kind of got screwed. Basically, the story here, for those of you who don't know, is uh, Wayne Rooney gets to manage the All-Star team because they're playing the game in dc which is 10 levels of stupid to me but um to make it even dumber he gets to basically make a few uh all-star selections and took his own goalkeeper instead of somebody like a stuber or somebody else who might have been way 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 more deserving yeah um and uh my good friend joe willis is in that crowd although i did love uh dallas twitter saying uh putting out a Pass got uh, or Pius, I've heard if that's his name. I think they've been saying Pass on the broadcast, so let's go yeah, with that. So Pass got robbed of being an all-star. Changed my mind right after he gave up three goals to us. <laughs> <laughs> Great timing, guys. So that's why Twitter doesn't work anymore. Great, good to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's a good shout, uh, Brad. How about you? This one hurts considering the ticket price increase that I've been railing on. But Anthony Precourt, um, he went and made. A really, really good hire for what we think is going to be a really good hire for a sporting director um, in Roto. And that's a visionary type signing. Like he, he's someone who several MLS teams have been after. Um, he comes from the best teams in the world, like Man City and uh, Liverpool and Barca. And there's, there's a pedigree there. <laughs> yeah, it's like there, there's a pedigree there. Um, I'm really excited for his ability to scout talent. Um, and develop talent and sign the right guys. Uh, and keeping Sean Rubio to run the books for MLS is huge. So kudos pre-court. Like, that, that's a really nice job. Yeah, we were all, uh, at least I was, hey, we need some news on the sporting director. We need some news on the sporting director. Um, anything, please God help us. And uh, well, that came out pretty well. Uh, like you mentioned, a pretty good, pretty good list of clubs there. Uh, he was involved in academies too. And I know we've always talked about um, we really do like the idea of like the whole club up and down playing the same way, um, preferably a better way than we are right now. But um, he's a guy who has experience in those academies and building those teams from the ground up, which is a lot of structure. It's not necessarily, you know, going out to the park and saying, Hey, this 11 year old looks great. Sign him up. Um, it's a lot more about laying the groundwork, making sure you have the right people, right environment. Um it's very, very on the ground things that you need to know. 
And uh, obviously, yeah, if he, even if he's not the greatest talent scout, um, I'm sure he has a lot of people in his uh, book he can call on and say, hey, who's a good fit for this league? Who plays uh, really well in this spot? Well, coach wants, you know, a guy in this kind of mold who's a, um, a right winger who can dribble and send it across, whatever. I'm sure our possibilities just expanded like a thousand times. Yes. I think our uh, prospects for loans um... – you know, loan to buy options. I, I think there's just so many uh, doors that opened up in Europe, especially. It, it's wild. Yeah, and I think it helps in uh, in the other direction too. For an Owen, or uh, if he ever gets his stupid immigration shit, uh, that's not at all his fault. Sorted out, uh, Danny. Uh, maybe a chance to actually get a shot at a decent team over there. Yeah. Uh, Charles, anything to add on the the sporting director hire? I meant to bring that up earlier. I mean, uh, it's like like Brad said, like it's a great hire. Um, he's exactly what you'd want to bring in in terms of his experience and his uh, and his abilities. And I'm just happy that this might be the last that we might have seen the last time that Austin FC has signed a player from uh, Guarani ever. It would be great. Yeah. Um... <laughs> A lot of a uh, lot of great scouting. I'm I'm gonna guess that guy already got fired. Uh, if I, I hope he got the fired. first thing I did. <laughs> I hope he got fired twenty four uh, at least like two years ago. Like I think that should have been one of those things of like the guys show up and you're like, you did what? Like, yeah, your your expense account does not uh, line up with the results we got here. Um, all these guys that you watched uh, play one game in Copa Libertadores. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I guess, um, mine is going to be, you took Roto. I'm going to take Roto. Uh, <laughs> we did not look great at the back. And, uh, I mean, part of it's, I don't think Alex rings hundred percent healthy, but Alex ring still isn't a center back. Um, and I actually, I tried to go and buy a Radovanovic Kortrai, his, uh, Belgian club Jersey earlier this week. Uh, they don't sell jerseys for the club. And then I, like a day later, realized I was really lucky because they didn't want him either. So I hope you find love somewhere, um, Prado. <laughs> and you know, if, if it's here, uh, we'll be happy to have you back. Um, like I said, kind of on a few episodes about this, I don't, I don't know if that was always a short-term loan, so I'm not going to exactly put it on Austin's front office. But um, I hope he goes to a good team and he's happy because he gave everything for us and we, uh, uh, you know, could have been a better team for him uh, for him to go to. Uh, any thoughts on that for either of you? I wish I wouldn't have wasted a month trying to get him the quote up to speed and just let him play. Yeah, no shit. Agreed. <laughs> All right, you want me to pass out of the back? Yes. Okay. No, but like you don't understand. <laughs> yeah. No, I fucking understand. Like, I'm yeah, sure I know how to stop the ball from going in the net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he. Uh, been, oh, by the way, I did notice too. I was looking at the uh, the Google lineup because of the whole uh, Twitter debacle, and they had the wrong picture, and they had his photo for uh, Ruti on the bench, and I was just like, "You taunting bastards!" Reminding <laughs> me that we can't have this guy anymore. Uh, I don't know if they ever fixed it, but uh, pregame, that's what it was. A uh, lot of options here, uh, Brad. You want to do a stock falling? It's Julio, man. He had a great game last week. Really, a really good week last week, but. Last night was bad. Um, one of his worst games in quite a while. Uh, we talked earlier where I felt it was his mistake that kind of led to the goal for Miami. 
Um, few others that should have led to another goal. Um, kind of created a half chance off a header, a decent chance off of a header uh, in the second half, but otherwise really ineffective last night. Yeah, he did have the one um, one header that you said like goes off the base of the post that I think is actually supposed to be a pass. Well, but, I thought uh, the second half he had the header that went directly to the keeper too. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if this is a Wolf thing, but I was thinking it last night. Um, is he just too – is Wolf too blinded by the offensive threat of Julio that he can't see what a fucking liability is on the back end? I think or he's going like, to make I, that trade. I think he's going yeah. to make that trade. But you can't – you can make that trade when you have a Leo Vysonen or Radovanovich back there to bail him out. We don't have yeah. anybody back there to bail him out right now. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly it. As far up as we're doing. Yeah, and I'm not convinced Vysonen's not – a better combo of kind of both worlds, but um, obviously he's not going to be available. And, you know, we're not going to like bench Julio right now, regardless. Yeah. Oh, Vicenin's um, pass at the first game of the year is still one of the best passes we've had all season. Yep. Uh, probably still the best goal we've had all year um, off that pass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charles, your stock falling? Uh, my stock falling is playing international tournaments on at MLS venues during the MLS season. Uh, we, we talked about these the state of the pitch last night, and despite how the MLS announcers tried to gaslight us into thinking that everything was okay, there were too many matches on that pitch in a short time frame. It's not good for player safety. It's not good for the league. It's not good for the style of play that, that the league wants to convey, especially to, to its fans and you know, people who might be tuning into Inter Miami just to see what they're like before Messi gets here, or who thought Messi was already playing for them. Um, and so that just is something that just should not happen in the future going forward of allowing that. Uh, it will, <laughs> unless they scrap the <laughs> unless they scrap the Gold Cup entirely. That's going to keep happening. Uh, I mean, at this point, I don't understand why the why we have Gold Cup and Nations League besides besides money and TV rights, which means they'll both continue, but. It just seems like a superfluous tournament that no country takes seriously. Well, at least, like, stagger them out. Yeah, uh, stagger them out. But also, Nations League actually matters more now. I know Gold Cup's, quote-unquote, the continental tournament. But Nation League, the finish of it for this next year, which, by the way, we're playing, like Seth said, I think it was a week or two ago, we're playing another Nations League final, theoretically, in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> next spring. Um, but... If you make the semis of Nations League this coming year, you're into Copa America. Would you rather win Copa America or would you rather win Gold Cup? Let's be real here. Yeah. I mean, Gold Cup's always I mean, fun because you get to see the MLS, like, B slash C team in the Gold Cup. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, the, the Greg Berhalder stands talk about how important those Gold Cup victories over Mexico are. So, I mean, clearly for them, it's Gold Cup. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want to I win because... It's there. It's a trophy to be won, but it's clear already that Nations League is where the priority is for the Confederation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the way our Confederation is built versus somewhere like South America or Europe, it's almost better as a tournament because, I mean, you have some good teams that aren't the U.S. and Mexico. You have your Canada's, your Jamaica's. Um, You know, Honduras usually puts out a pretty good squad, Costa Rica. But you don't need to have this like crazy 16, 32 team tournament um, because you have games like the U.S. where 
you know, Jesus Ferreira scores a hat trick and probably should have had five or six against St. Kitts and it's no fun for anyone. Well, and Nations League also forces you to travel to other countries to play it um, yeah. in your little group or pod or whatever. Gold Cup being in the U.S. every two years, let's be real, it's it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it's a check cashing endeavor and we all know that, but yeah. Um, you know, we'll see if something, if they at least like change it, it's not going away, but you know, replace it with something new and exciting. That's the same thing, but not set up in a really dumb way. Um, that'd be nice. Uh, I'm going to take the other obvious one here and go with one Emiliano Rigoni. Cause you get below the pink sheet penny stocks. He did. (laughs) Um, like he was bad for the past month or so but you kind of see some flashes dribbling by some guys sending in crosses maybe getting a shot he's gone completely backwards to almost being useless if that showing on uh yesterday was any indication that was one of the worst games i've ever seen a forward for austin play uh he was barely in the game when he did he just kicked it straight to the other team's keeper like soft little um floater cross straight at calendar uh took at least one corner where uh the ball was almost so low it hit the front defender in the chest um like talk about not clearing the first man uh and he just looks like he doesn't want to be there which is you know um probably not the only one last night but um definitely the most glaring one especially in a game where one one that we're playing a team that's shaky and we can probably come back and get uh an extra couple points out of it but um yeah, I don't know where we go from here. Charles, any ideas? I mean, I think where we go from here is that uh, Rado makes a change and takes hold of the team and sends a message to everybody that no matter how good of a friend you are with our star player, you can still be sold. Sold and, yeah, some of us pointed out that this was a really bad signing to begin with, but... Um, <laughs> so yeah, When he first showed up, he had some promise in early in the year, but I don't... Uh, go ahead. Let's, I, Let's, I mean, if you oh, go ahead. if you watch sports enough, you'll you'll see this sometimes. Of there are people who are just really skilled and they're really athletic, and you you watch them in practice or just like by themselves, and you're like, oh, that person's really good. Like, you know, they they can kind of do everything, and like the the abstract of having all the skills to do it. But when you put them on a field against opponents, they have this break where they none of those skills translate to any kind of. <laughs> actual success or actual like in Rigoni's case statistics and he's just one of those players who just is really talented you can you can see him play and see that he can do all the skills and it just never and this isn't just an awesome thing it's everywhere he's been it has never results in any end product and I see how teams get tricked into thinking that like oh no this guy's he's good this guy's good he'll help us and then you look at the stats and you're like oh he's not really helping anyone when I worked in baseball as a broadcaster we call that a five o'clock hitter the guy who would yeah. uh, get into the cage at five o'clock and just hit five, six, 500 foot home runs. We had a guy on our, our minor league team. It was like this. He, he would take the most impressive batting practice you've ever seen and then go out there and go over four and he hit two ten. Um, so completely reasonable. And it's something you see a lot of. It's, it's a good, it's a good shout out. Um, I want to extrapolate on something you guys mentioned, which is Roto coming in, making changes. How many changes do we really think he's going to make in this summer window versus sitting back, seeing what he has, 
to really work with and making more of an impact in the winter, especially with contracts expiring. Oh, he's going to go much more winter forward, especially because a lot of these sorts of deals, you lay the groundwork four months in advance. Um, so I would expect we sign a center back, even though it's probably going to be somebody disappointing. And maybe you'll see kind of one other lateral-ish move, but I don't, I don't expect any sort of splash. And I mean, why would you, the way we're playing this year, um, why would you go ahead and, you know, roll the dice on something that's not going to, you know, quite frankly matter at the end of the day, like, this team is not going to get to a spot where they're, you know, top two, three in the West and go on a run in the playoffs. It's like, I'm convinced it's not going to happen at this point, but I mean, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I, I don't see any big moves changing. I think bringing in a center back has probably been worked on already. It's one of the plates that Joshua talks about spinning. And I think that could kind of rearrange our roster in a way that would help where it, free, it would free up ring to play in his like actual position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Austin's biggest problems is that they need to figure out what they're doing with the designated roster spots. They need to figure out what they're doing with the DPs and they need to figure out what's going on with the GTA's loan and if Rodney's staying. And I think that those are, those are very big picture questions that I don't think I'd want somebody just like coming in, just like immediately changing without looking at things or, or figuring things out. But those are the big roster construction issues that Austin has and that those spots can be very valuable and can really help your team. And we get nothing from really any of them, except for Driussi, who's not even our leading scorer. Yeah, I think two of those roster spots and the DP spots open up this year. Ring's going to be gone after the end of the year. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. And then That's, I, th- yeah. I think Ragoni's going to get shipped out by the end of the year, at the end of the year. So we could be looking at two brand new DPs by the start of the season next year. Um now, do you use them as full DPs, or do we try to stick with the U22 initiative? Um, that's going to be the really interesting question to me. Well, yeah, and I think of... a lot of that pivots on on GT's deal, and if he's coming back, or if he's or if he's going, or kind of how that, because that's really where the numbers start to start to go either way. Yeah, and I mean, it's our uh, our three U22 guys aren't exactly lighting the world on fire i mean i love zan but he's on his like fifth acl at this point um gt had a kind of a what i think he would call a disappointing loan spell in france he didn't play a ton uh and he's probably not coming back and rodney is rodney yeah so i mean you could easily see a scenario where none of those guys are back next year yeah i think the roster overhaul before the start of next season is going to be pretty shocking to a lot of people I, there's only there's only a few guys to me that are locked into this roster before next season. I think Gallagher's pretty much locked in. He's he's on a valuable contract. Um, Stuber, Clear, Dryusi obviously not going anywhere. Fagundes seems to be settled in, especially with the new contract. And Danny. Beyond that, and Cascante, I guess because we did just resign Cascante. Yeah, yeah, as long as Josh is here, Julio's not yeah. going anywhere. Beyond that, I don't, and, and I could see. You know, Jafal, because he's on a very cheap contract with another year. He's got upside. Makes sense um, to keep him. I like. I still want to see him play more. Owen Wolf will still be here unless he's over in Europe. But there's a lot of other spots in this roster. I could see 10, 12 moves being made. Yeah. And, that's, uh, a lot of, that's a lot of green smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, and we. this is exactly uh, a Seth conversation, but... Uh, he is in Miami. He went to the game, and it was his birthday this weekend. So happy birthday, Seth. Um, 
but I think there's maybe a case to be made to buy out Ragoni this year because you only get your one buyout per year and you don't want to use it on him next year. Uh, I don't know if that's a mid-season only thing. Unless you can loan him out somewhere and use a cheaper buyout on, yeah. a, different, on a different contract. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's per league year. Yeah, so I think you can. So you might. So I think you can do whatever. You might want to do it just so you don't have to burn it for next year. But um, this is getting a little into the weeds. But I mean, there are options, and I don't. Unless I, there's like some weird insistence about Seba demanding he stay or something, um, I don't. I don't see him continuing here for too much longer. If you're going to do something this year, it seems like the cheap buyout is. Tarek, right? Tarek, yeah. Yeah, that's your cheap guy. And open up that space and go get some depth. Um, Rigoni, I think you can probably find a loan option somewhere in South America for him and get it off your books in the same way that we did Pochettino um, and open up that DP spot again. I mean, can we afford somebody or can we find somebody who's going to take on a salary? Because I don't know how that works with DPs. Like, do we still have to pay the DP rate for him? Or is it just as long as he's not taking up the roster spot, the money doesn't matter? I think it's roster spot because that's how it worked with Pochettino last year, didn't it? Yeah. Okay, so we could theoretically, like, eat some of his salary, send him on loan, and get the roster spot back. Correct. Okay. Um, That's what I was trying to figure out. But, yeah, he's not doing well. Stock falling. (laughs) Even his hair didn't look great last night, which I never say, but um, maybe it's just the humidity. humidity in Miami. It, it, yeah. Yeah. The humidity, you know, destroys everybody's hair. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm, I'm just telling you, sometimes there are omens and things you can see. And um, yeah. Oh, uh, so Ring got hurt. He came off. This is a weird sub. Um, so normally you would think if he's hurt and can't play, you sub him at 45 so you keep your sub window. Played about five minutes and then um, subbed off after Lima scored. Are we assuming that's like a, a re-aggravation of his previous injury? Or like, I can't imagine that's just a dumb sub. Wolf said in the post game, Wolf said in the post game that they thought Ring would go 60 before being subbed. Yep. So they had planned on using a window. I just, I wonder if the humidity got to Ring a little earlier. Okay. Just for being um, out of game shape a little bit. Yeah, because we typically do the like two two one windows. Yeah, uh, and save one for later. Um, but I didn't know if we'd heard any news on that, or if it's just sort of like, a, eh, I'm not going to tell you guys anything. Yeah, it's typical wolf. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I'm always fine with that. Uh, I kind of prefer the hockey system of uh, upper body injury, lower body injury, concussion like symptoms. Uh, so you never actually know what's wrong with anybody. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I might play. I don't know. Um. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to let Brad go first on your biggest moment of well, suffering. Girls, did we get your stock falling? I don't know if we got to you, but. Uh, my stock falling was playing international tournaments during oh, yeah. uh, the MLS. Season. My apologies. Yeah. yeah, I missed that. He went esoteric that. with it, so you forgot it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was also like 15 minutes ago. Yeah, we also yeah. got to that deeper discussion, so that's not my fault. Uh, moment of suffering was the replay of the Joseph Martinez goal. Um. Because at first I was like, oh, that sucks. We have a goal. And then you actually slow-mo and watch how it happened. And you see at least three Austin players ball watching. Yeah. And see how preventable it was. And that was uh, – it was hard to watch. I, I was pretty infuriated right after that right after that goal for quite a while. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Lot, lots of opportunities here. Um, <laughs> uh, Charles? Uh, my moment of suffering was uh, Kip's mistake that um, could have led to a goal just because it uh, – after seeing what happened earlier this season against St. Louis, like, you kind of worry about his mentality and his um, – his ability to stay in the game after making a mistake like that. Uh, and also it just reminded me that Jared Stratt exists and that just always makes me sad. He scored last night. Oh, of course he did. <laughs> was it, was it gifted to him or did he like have to try? I didn't see it. I turned the, their game on after ours was over and they just mentioned it. So um, uh, okay. I didn't have to watch it. I got that at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. He still has the uh, very, very creepy, disturbing mustache though. And I did see him shoot a uh, a ball from about eight yards out, out for a throw-in. So that's good. Um, Karma's good coming him. back to him. Yeah, I actually thought about taking Kip um, for those reasons as the, my stock rising because, you know, he had a mistake, but he came back. I thought he was good outside of that for the entire game, so he didn't let it bother him. Like we talked about before, uh, getting turned by uh, Klaus was almost a bigger thing than the, the pass back to Stroud. So he's looking like maybe some there's a, some of that mental strengths back and uh, hopefully that's looking up. Cause even if we sign a center back tomorrow, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be seeing some Kip for the next few weeks, probably at least in the league's cup, I would think. Which I think is a perfect yeah. opportunity for Kip to get minutes in an environment where I don't know, there's a whole lot of pressure on the team. Like, yep. I, don't, I don't think there's anybody in the fan base that expects us to win league's cup. So if we can get three, four matches potentially, and Kip can get some experience, that's a good thing. No, there's like some weird permutation where we might be able to get uh, a match against Messi if like five results go the right way. And that's the only thing I'm hoping for in League's Cup. Other than that, I don't care. Yeah, um, we have to win our group. They have to win their group. And we both have to win our first knockout matches. And then I okay. think they come here. Which yeah. potentially would be us at LAFC for our first round knockout. <laughs> I think that's if we finish second is the most likely one, because they're not going to, LAFC is going to win their group, although maybe they won't. Um, Which, by the way, if you haven't checked out our group, uh, the Clausura started this past weekend, and Juarez went and beat uh, Club America down in the Azteca. Wow. (laughs) And Mazatlan, (laughs) who has not been playing well, went and found themselves a point as well. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Yeah, I guess... You know, you'd think we learned our lesson with Violet earlier this year, but we uh, won't, or at least the fans won't. <laughs> You're like, wow, Mazatlan and Juarez, those aren't really big clubs. Well, um, you just lost to the worst, or just drew with the worst team in MLS. So, yeah, I don't know if we have a whole lot of room to be talking right now. Um, mine was kind of an echo of Brad's. It was the moment and the replay of the uh, ring and Cascante both choosing to take the attacker 45 yards away from the goal on the sideline and leave Joseph Martinez wide open all alone uh, in the middle of the field with nobody near him at all. And uh, Stuber bailed us out on that one, but I think if Martinez scores that, uh, we're probably looking at a loss in that game. Because that was right after a few other calamitous plays. That one just sort of reached a new height. And, um, yeah, I think it was actually probably worse than the goal we gave up defensively. But um, there's a lot to choose from there. Yeah. Uh, I, any? Go ahead. Miami did the right thing for the most part last night, the attack. And they just ran right at us. If yeah. you just run right at our back line and chase balls down, you will eventually get through. 
yeah, there'll be some miscommunication or somebody will be slow on the turn or something. It's not a hard back line to break down. No. So I don't know. Uh, I don't have any solutions. So I'm trying to not like hammer on that, but it's a major, major, major concern of mine. Um, if you look that bad against, uh, you know, Miami, I mean, we're playing Minnesota. They have Reynoso back. Uh, that could get bad in a hurry. Well, and are they going to have signs... Pookie available? Yeah, uh, Pookie. I, yeah I think they're going to have Pookie available next week too. Okay, yeah, he's a good player. And uh, actually a pretty big signing. I know he's a little older, but pretty big signing for Minnesota. Uh, yeah. He's one of those guys who absolutely destroyed the championship in uh, Norwich's yo-yo years. Uh, obviously a little harder to play in the Premier League, but um, that's a guy who can score some goals and he has very good movement. He's going to give our center backs fits if he's fit and starting. Yeah, he's going to have a really big um, MLS season for the rest of the year. He's going to be really good in this league. Yeah. Also, I feel like the, for a Finnish player, going to Minnesota is like probably the closest he's going to get to home. <laughs> yeah, it's a boost. Yeah. He, I mean, he's only a short drive away from northern Wisconsin, which has a very heavy Scandinavian area uh, population area. Um, so he's, he's going to feel at home. Yeah, I mean, most of Minnesota's, you know, if not directly Scandinavian, Scandinavian descendant, um, a lot of Swedes. I mean, their fucking football team's called the Vikings. So, uh, I mean... They didn't exactly venture far with the name. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he'll he'll do great there. And uh, it seems like kind of an easier team. Uh, oh, I guess Heath's suspended, isn't he? Yes, Heath is suspended for the game next week. Uh, which I just thought uh, he was suspended. What did he do? I think it's like a yellow card accumulation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he didn't kick over funny, the chicken and rice table. Which is funny that the head coach got that many yellow cards to accumulate to get suspended. Um, but I don't know that that matters as much as who they're throwing on the field. So, uh, I believe Michael Boxall also got suspended due to card accumulation. Oh, thank you, God. Which is a little more on the pitch problem. Yeah. Um, well, not problem, uh, I guess, but I don't know. Are we going to yo-yo? Let's do a quick little prediction here. Are we going to yo-yo and actually come out and play a decent game? Or are we kind of in a, a multi-game funk? What do you think, Charles? Um, I mean, I, I think the smart move is to always bet against Austin on the road. They only have eight road wins in their history. Four, four of those came uh, in 2022. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. They have uh, 12 wins and road wins in their history, and eight came in 2022. Uh, I don't see them going against the Minnesota team that seems on the up to, to get any kind of result there. Brad? Yeah, I'm not feeling great about it. Um, Minnesota's been decent at home this year. Um, they, like us, they struggle on the road, but we don't typically play well up there at the same time. Um, we did win our first game up there, but since then it's not been the greatest place for us to go and play games at. And anytime we play Minnesota, it just begs for the casserole game, right? It's never yeah. pretty. Um, so I, this feels like a one Oh two one type game. And I'm not expecting three points. If we can get a draw, we'll take it. Um, I think it's our best chance at a win over the next two, because I do not like our chances in Vancouver at all uh, on that slow turf up there. But if we're going to get a win, it's got to be next week. 
yeah, need to hurry up and kick it into gear. We've been saying, oh, well, all we got to do is string together a couple wins and we're solidly in the playoffs. Well, yeah, run out of time. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing to make to point out is after the next three games where we go with the break for the um, League's Cup, you only have 11 matches left after League's Cup. Um, and those 11 matches are going to come quick, like end of August through end of October. You're going to play 11 matches. So um, there's not a whole lot of time. <laughs> Uh, granted, the the table is bunched up, so there's room to make up ground directly uh, with six pointers uh, directly above you a lot. But as far as the amount of matches to play, you're two-thirds of the way through the season after this coming little stretch here uh, before you get into League's Cup. Well, and I mean, we've got some tough games at Frisco, uh, at City. Uh, we're hosting Seattle. We've got to play LAFC again. Like, it's not... We're the, the cupcakey part of the schedule, or have been. Yeah, and, and I mean, Red Bulls aren't great, but we don't play well against the press. we got to go to the Red Bulls. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's games coming up that, like you just mentioned, late in the year that aren't pretty. And I dread the idea of going to San Jose on decision day with the playoffs in the balance. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sicko's chaos version of me loves the idea of anyone having to do that, but uh, that's going to be one of the hardest games for us to watch. Oh. Especially if we're, like, up late and need a win or something. Uh, it's There will be maximal suffering. Personally, I'm excited to have a decision day match matter. Yeah, oh, I'm I don't okay know, with man. that part. I, I much preferred casual decision day last year. <laughs> no, I want it to matter, but like, are we going to host a playoff game? Not like, are we in or not? Uh, um, yeah, and one thing too, just with the league, there's an interesting match today as we're recording here on Sunday afternoon. Atlanta and Philadelphia play this afternoon, which is going to be a pretty good one to watch. But there's a spectacle match on July 4th. Um, that it's a 9:30 Central Time kickoff, so you got plenty of time. Fireworks probably going off right about that time, but Galaxy and LAFC are playing at the Rose Bowl. This is the game that was uh, switched over from game one of the year to the fourth because I think it was like raining constantly at the beginning of the year out in LA. Um, Yeah, there was like a threat of a mudslide or something. They're close to a sellout. They've sold over 80,000 tickets already for this match. It's going to be the highest attended match ever in MLS history. Um, It's going to be fun. Galaxy's not great, but... El Trafico is always a little fun, so this this could be interesting. All right. Well, my dog does not like fireworks, so uh, I will be up and watching that. There's five matches on the on July 4th. Um, get to watch Miami again if you would like to see that shit show. Um, <laughs> Dal- Dallas hosts D.C., uh, so, you know, Frisco trying to storm D.C. in, Dal- in Frisco is going to be interesting, considering they've got all that kind of practice. Uh, and then Colorado-Portland – it's just a match. Yeah, I think we'll skip that one. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? All right. Uh, anything either you want to add before we get out of here? Uh, as we said at the top, um, that was certainly a game of football. But, you know, there's a lot of interesting side stories to this. But game-wise, I didn't see anything else uh, to cover. Oh, referee was pretty good. Um, he also gave us the lovely advantage of not giving Danny any of the like four yellows he probably should have had. <laughs> Yeah, Danny was Danny was begging for a yellow. He wants a vacation. Yeah, well, it, it it netted out. So there was a play where Danny should have basically earned two yellows on their team, and he only gave him one. Uh, yeah. So Danny didn't get his. They didn't get theirs. There, it's all fair, and we're all fine with it. 
yeah. No, ref was fine. No issues last night for the change. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty good. No complaints. Um, that's all we can ask for. But uh, I guess if you guys are all done, um, on behalf of Charles Peacock of the False Nine and, and Brad, as always, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory. 